0: It's so hard as a parent to see your newborn
1: baby suffer with tummy pain. Baby's discomfort from colic, gas, and reflux can be devastating for the entire family. You feel completely helpless as they struggle, only being told that they'll outgrow it. What is colic, and can it be cured? I'm Jacqueline Lawrence, founder of Colic Calm Gripewater, and this is Parent Savers, Episode
2: 10. Welcome to Parent Savers, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. I'm your host, Casey Wilt. Parent Savers is all about helping new parents preserve their sanity by getting you expert advice from the baby years through the toddler years. Feel free to send us emails or suggestions on our website, parentsavers.com, or on our Facebook page. And you can call the Parent Savers hotline at 619 866 4775. I'm a new parent myself. My son, Carson, is now 17 months old, and I'm joined by one new parent here in the studio. Hello, everyone. I'm Sunny Galt. I'm 34 years old.
3: I am actually the host of Parent Saver's uh, sister show, Preggy Pals, which is all about pregnancy. And I was pregnant, not pregnant anymore. just had my little baby a couple weeks ago, and uh, this was our second boy. And so two kids all together and loving every minute of it.
2: Before we start today's show,
0: here's a parent's guide to babysitting. Hi Parent Savers, this is Jody with Urban Sitter, a website that connects you to friend-tested sitters. I'm here to help you figure out the right questions to ask when searching for a babysitter. When am I going to need a sitter? When embarking on the search for a babysitter, it's important to ask yourself, when am I going to use this sitter? Do you need a fast responder that can be available for spur-of-the-moment work functions? Perhaps someone primarily available in the evenings for date nights, or a dependable sitter to cover scheduled daytime events such as doctor's appointments? If you need someone on short notice, then you're going to need to find someone who lives nearby and responds quickly to requests. Also, be sure to confirm the sitter's transportation situation. You'll need to pick them up, or do they have a reliable way to get to your home? Some sitters are only looking for occasional work on the weekends, while others may be up for consistent part-time work. So set expectations up front so neither you nor the sitter is disappointed when a job is declined. The goal is to build yourself a network of sitters with a range of availability so you are never left in a bind. None of us should have to depend on one sitter. Let's face it, most babysitters are young adults who are still learning to be responsible. Look for a sitter who responds quickly to your emails or phone calls, and it's a good indication that they will show up to your babysitter sitting job on time. Okay, Parent Savers, it's time to say hello to your old friend spontaneity. Visit urbansitter.com to find and book babysitters your friends know and love.
2: Today on Parent Savers, we have Jacqueline Lawrence, founder of Colic Calm Gripe Water, here to talk with us about ways to cure colic. So what is colic? What's the definition of it? Well, that's actually a tricky question. Although there are many theories,
1: there are no scientifically proven causes for colic. Most experts do agree, however, on the rule of threes, defined as a baby who's otherwise healthy and well-fed, mm-hmm. but cries for at least three, to- three hours a day, three times a week for a period of three weeks.
2: What if you have, like, you know, six hours one day and, like, one hour the next
1: day. Right. <laughs> In general. Those are guidelines. Again, it's pretty tricky, but that's the general uh, frame. Okay. Mm-hmm. So really, we're, we're just looking for crying. Is that that's the main symptom here that we're looking for? Right. The and and there are definitely certain signs that I'll get into about okay. the telltale uh, crying. Okay. Oh, t- mm-hmm. tell me. What are signs they? Right now? Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, well, the typical symptoms include vigorous crying for long periods despite efforts to console. And I think that's the real key, is that it becomes inconsolable. Hmm. Episodes usually begin and end around the same time of day and pretty abruptly. Same time of day. So what right. if it's all day? Oftentimes it can be after meals. Specifically, okay. that is a very common time. And in the evening or afternoons. Why is Those that? are particularly difficult. You know, there's a lot of theories. One is that the overstimulation from the day, you have to remember that babies are new to this world their digestive systems are very immature so are their nervous systems so they're bombarded with all of the stimulus during the day stimuli during the day Mm -hmm. and at the end of the day it's very difficult for them just to shut that out so oftentimes that's when they become particularly irritable and fussy we've all heard of the witching hour Mm -hmm. the oh yes and and there's various things that you can do now fortunately uh to, to help calm baby at the end of the day which is typically even for a normal, you know, really healthy, a child that doesn't cry very often is still a very difficult time of day for most new parents.
2: So it's not necessarily colic; it would just be, you know, right.
1: That could be just be crying from overstimulation, uh, from from various things. Of course, we eliminate hunger and all the basics like a wet diaper and that sort of thing. And sometimes they just need to be close to parents. You know, it's just a need to to feel safe and and protected.
3: Are there some babies that are more prone to getting colic? I'm just thinking about new parents out there, before they have their baby, mm-hmm. they may be thinking, oh, my goodness, how is there any way to prevent my child getting colic?
1: Right, and we'll, we'll definitely talk about the things that you can do because there's quite a bit. Okay. Um, but um, it's best to be prepared to do your homework. I went into yeah new motherhood thinking that it was going to be very idealistic.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. We, I right. think we all did oh, yeah, at some yeah. level. I right? had my leave yeah. from
1: teaching high school, uh-huh. and I was like, oh, this is going to be total bliss. Uh-huh. Well, the reality was a definitely a different story. Uh-huh. Uh, but in the end, it turned out to be a blessing. So I'll tell you all about what we went through and how we overcame it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, what's
2: well, what's the difference between colic, gas, and reflux? Because yeah. you hear those words. Thrown out so much.
1: Absolutely. And they're so, in my opinion, they're so closely connected. But persistently trapped gas can definitely be a source of colic.
2: Okay, since so trapped gas. Re- it would
1: re- the, meet the rule of three car- criteria okay. Okay. by definition. So, um, and some babies get more gas than others, just like more adults. And they just can't pass it? It's exactly. Gas is totally normal. We all get gas. I mean, let's yeah. face it, right? It's a matter of how easily it passes. Okay. If it gets trapped, it is buoyant so there's plenty of places where it can get trapped and the most painful is often in the intestines and and that's really where the coordination that comes with development over time plays a part yes there are some babies very few i find that are born into this world from the very start and function perfectly Mm -hmm. most babies simply have an immature gut immature systems nervous system and it takes a little while for all those muscles to learn to coordinate effectively so that they can eliminate the gas that's in their system. And remember that gas can be taken in through the mouth, through crying or, or nursing or feeding, but it, it's also a natural byproduct of digestion. Mm-hmm. So it's created in the intestines, and it's a matter of how baby um, can you know push that through effectively.
2: So is colic another form of gas, or?
1: Colic, uh, colic definitely incorporates gas, and again, it's a fine line. Is a baby just gassy, or is a baby mm-hmm. colicky? nowadays there are 25 percent of 25 uh, percent of babies are diagnosed with quote unquote
2: colic 25 mm. percent. i would almost think it would be like 99 <laughs> oh really yeah well that didn't happen oh, but just because i hated using that term because it, i just said oh he's got an upset tummy but oh it's colic oh it's colic. It's so oh, it's your common. baby colic exactly. oh, your ba- and i was like oh, i don't like that term it's a it's a bad tummy so what's the how does reflux fit into all this
1: Well, that's interesting. Um, As for reflux, NPR just ran a big story on how overdiagnosed it is these days. And there's been a growing trend of treating infant colic with prescription drugs like Zantac and Prevacid that basically suppress the body's uh, production of stomach acid. So they can result in side effects because they do disrupt the body's natural digestive processes, especially in delicate developing newborns. So if we take a closer look at reflux, which is simply defined as the backward flow of stomach contents into the esophagus. We see that reflux is a normal, common process that occurs from time to time in almost everyone, all ages, particularly after meals. Almost all babies will regurgitate or spit up after some feedings, whether they're breastfed or formula-fed. It does peak between one and four months of age and usually resolves on its own as baby's esophageal sphincter muscles coordinate by 12 months.
2: Okay, so is that just for reflux or is that colic and gas as right. well? Well, actually
1: GERD, as many people improperly term it, is the gastroesophageal reflux disease. Yeah, which right?
2: I, I, I um, got diagnosed with that as well, but uh-huh. again, I talked to somebody else who is more homeopathic and they said, I think doctors went to a convention and decided to diagnose everybody as that because it's very rare,
1: but yeah, all very, of a sudden everybody has very it. Very, very rare, and all of a sudden everybody has it and they've mm. got a drug for it. Yeah. So. So there's a lot of gas and gurgling in baby's stomach, and that pressure can certainly force stomach contents back up, too, which is why babies often spit up. Again, they're developing, and they have an esophageal sphincter that takes time to coordinate, like the other muscles in their body and their digestive tract. Okay. So, so very closely related, colic, gas, and reflux. They're all, can, they all can be signs of, you know, digestive upset. And,
2: and do we just have to live with it until it, it gets Until older? babies
1: work it all out on their own, yes. And uh, my feeling is, you know, the less we interfere... And let them figure it out on their own, the better.
2: What age does it start and what age is it over? And I ask that because when I brought my son in, who screamed nonstop for the (laughs) first month, and I'm not joking. I I was there. (laughs) I know. Um, I know
1: firsthand. (laughs)
2: um, When I finally took him in to the doctor and he was maybe a week old or something, and the lactation consultant, the doctors, everyone kept saying, well, he's a little too young to have colic. But- you know, that's what he's, I mean, it was the, it's not just the crying, it's the clenching up, like all of a sudden he'd be out cold and you'd see his tummy just gurgle and then all of a sudden he'd be up screaming clenching his oh, belly they let, and they let us
1: else. know when they're hurting yeah. for sure and it
2: wasn't just a, it wasn't a spit up necessary it wasn't a this, it was like you saw his tummy like you know
1: right and maybe you could Tight. even feel the bubbles and the yeah. hard tummy
2: but they all said he was too young and then everyone other people kept saying well don't worry by m- month three it's over but it wasn't over by m- month three so what is the age category that it typically falls underneath
1: right typically is the key word you and i both had it very early on with our
2: children and that's and that's normal i mean i, I mean, it can be it can, be,
1: it can be. Again, you know, they're learning to function for the first time. They've never digested food. So it is tricky for them to figure it all out, a lot of them. And some have a very, very difficult time, like our children, it sounds. Mine was pretty much from the moment we came back from the hospital. Mm-hmm. I would say 24 hours it started. We didn't sleep the first night home.
2: Mm.
1: And talk about rude awakenings. <laughs> wow. Boot camp. Really? Serious. Just out of
3: the blue, your kid would just start
1: screaming or what's Yes, my- he would not sleep for longer than 20 minutes at a stretch.
2: Yeah. Oh my What's the 20 minute thing? I know <laughs> I got 20
1: minutes just as I'm dozing off like, oh, phew. And then it was like war torture. Ah. And of course, you know, feeling totally powerless to help yeah. this child. I did everything in my human power um, to to console him. And it was just beyond me. It was something that was going on inside his little body for sure. Mm. Well, See, my
3: son, my, my first son, um, who's now 21 months old, he definitely had gas issues. Mm-hmm. He, he couldn't, um, he, he just wasn't excreting properly. I mean, the, the doctor had me like put him on prune juice and all this other kind of stuff. And I never, you know, classified it as colic. Like, there were definitely times where I could not do anything to console him. You know, I'm like, I'm trying to move his little baby legs and do all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, the just bicycle try- yes. and the
1: football hold, you know, about pr- applying yeah. gentle pressure to yeah. the tummy.
3: Yeah, so I was I Trying to no. do all that kind of stuff. Um, and it, for me, it was somewhat manageable. Like, I, I mean, people kept telling me this was normal, this was normal. So mm-hmm. at what point do you say, okay, this isn't normal anymore. Exactly. This is a problem. Right,
1: right. Well, it really depends, you know, on how often it's occurring and how much mm-hmm. agony your child is in, I think. If it's just a general fussing and irritability and restlessness. I mean, that happens to all kids. Okay. Um, but usually around two weeks, you will know if baby's got some serious problems dealing, coordinating with everything. Okay. Um, so I would say two to three weeks is usually when you see some very clear signs of colic. Then it peaks at about two months and generally it subsides by three and a half, four months. But there are cases that go on to six months mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. and
1: even a year possibly, oh, wow. very rarely, but it could go on a year. So
2: how do you know um, if it's gas and colic or just food allergies? Because now I wonder... I mean, the doctors kept saying, of course, because they're trying to eliminate everything. They say, oh, all right, try to stop eating this. Try to stop eating that. Um, but at my diet at the time, it was so inconsistent. I wasn't really having milk. I wasn't doing all this stuff. So come to six months old, I give him food. And actually, he's got tons and tons of, not necessarily food allergies, because my doctor doesn't call him that, but food intolerances. because he <laughs> says He'll grow them. So mm-hmm. how do I know if it's colic or just an allergy? Oh, if it's an allergy,
1: that's a good question because it can definitely be allergy or sensitivity related. Um, there are certain foods or vitamins in the mom's diet and baby's diet that certainly might cause a reaction. Um, and again, nursing, uh, lots of foods pass from mom to infant, mm-hmm. so that could be another reason. Common culprits are definitely, number one, dairy. Mm-hmm. So if you can eliminate dairy, you might see a huge improvement. A lot of moms can't do it though, <laughs> so it depends on how bad it is and how how much you're willing to, you know, eliminate from your diet. Also, um, acidic fruits and vegetables, high fat foods, caffeine, chocolate, all the good stuff, basically. I know, seriously, <laughs> carbonated so beverages, processed foods, all food. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. It's a very bland diet if you want to uh, work on. On the uh, sensitivities. Hmm. Would you recommend alleviating one at a time to kind of monitor them? For sure. And keeping a daily journal or log can help you determine uh, reactions that your baby might be having. And an elimination diet can be very helpful. And usually a healthcare provider will um, help you
2: with that. Awesome. So when we come back, we'll talk about the ways that we can cure colic. We'll be back shortly. We're back with Jacqueline Lawrence, founder of Colic.com. Let's talk about cures. So if I go to a doctor, what are they going to do? Okay. Internal treatment options are
1: fairly limited, but definitely preferable to waiting it out, I would say, having been there myself for four months. (laughs) Well, i would mentioned prescription reflux medications like Zantac and Prevacid, which, uh, in my opinion, should be reserved until all other options have been exhausted. Why not try something natural first and foremost? Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, that's all you need. Um, but speaking with your doctor is definitely uh, helpful in deciding what's right
2: for you and, and you you recommend it not being the first option. yeah, right.
1: I mean, it really depends on the parent. You know, if that is something that they want to try right off the bat, the big guns of pharmaceuticals, up to you, really. But I would highly recommend that you do your homework, you know, you know and that's ac- what that's why this radio show is here so mm-hmm. that people know they have options because right. if they don't know their options, they don't have any. Mm-hmm. Right. And so my mission is to let parents know that they can be their child's own best advocate. Mm
2: Do you know, it's interesting. We actually were seeing one pediatrician and then we got my son circumcised and we had to go do a checkup at the pediatrician who did it. And I was talking to him and he just instead of um, the first pediatrician gave me his prescription to Zantac. And then this pediatrician, um, just the first thing off the bat, he said, well, try this. Um, bacteria lactobacillus ruteri helps Probiotics. helps with it Yay. and I was and actually we switched pediatricians oh. even though he's totally different views than me but we switched pediatricians because he was more um prone to try the natural way I of just giving that. me a, and I never would have thought about that <laughs> I never would have thought oh I'll try a probiotic right because I would have just trusted my doctor to give me Whatever, and of course, they, I told you they gave me GERD, and, yeah. and I was like, "Oh, he's got <coughs> GERD! Oh my oh, goodness!" No. So, tell me about some other options that we can do to treat this holistically.
1: Great. Next, we have over-the-counter simethicone, commonly known as gas drops. And Is that like mylicon? Uh, exactly. There are tons of different brand names, but all gas drops are made of simethicone, and it's a it's a synthetic chemical anti-foaming agent that basically works in theory by binding the gas bubbles together. At the top of the stomach, in hopes that they'll be easier to burp out.
2: And this is a na- this would be natural? Not or? at all.
1: All chemical, synthetic, anti foaming agent. Okay. Mm-hmm. At best, it works on the bubbles at the top of the stomach, but it does nothing for the very painful intestinal gas. That is, um, of course, a natural byproduct of digestion. It also requires dosing at every feeding, when gas most commonly occurs, and studies do not show that it works. Any more than a placebo So yeah. why would people Use it then Because <laughs> up to now It says gas drops yeah. They trust that what's it, What it says on the shelf It's worth a try mm. Especially desperate And you know parents. And for
2: us It worked But it wasn't um, It, it does, wasn't It wasn't the miracle drug, you right? Know, it worked a little bit.
1: And see, it may have just been a placebo. It's oh. hard to know, really, but the it studies... was a good night. <laughs> yeah, it was a good night. That's it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of hope. Oh, lunch bag let down, no. <laughs> I know. There are traditional gripe waters, okay. which are dietary supplements, and they contain water, sugar, some herbal oils, or extract. Exactly. A few drops of herbal oils and extracts like ginger, fennel, common, caraway, chamomile, and a good dose of sodium bicarbonate. Which is otherwise known as baking soda. Oh. Mm-hmm. And I've heard of that. I, someone I, you know, gave me that in my
2: pregnancy yeah, to yeah. take to help me and in my indigestion. It can, it
1: can. If you have a very acidic stomach, uh-huh. you know, it can neutralize temporarily, hmm. um, which is, you know, it's, a, it's okay as a band aid approach on occasion. Okay. But it even says on Tums, you know, do not take for more than two weeks. Mm. And on the box of baking soda, it says do not give to babies under five years of age. Mm. So again, you've got to look at things. Up to now, it's probably been the best option out there. But, uh, again, changing the pH balance is, is something you're, – you're interfering in the baby's delicate digestive process.
2: Well, you mm-hmm. we, we were doing a little bit of this and a little bit of that, mm-hmm. like, yeah, whatever works, I right? know. I
1: yeah. mean, the studies show, honestly, that the old-fashioned grape waters work no better than sugar water, huh. which is a placebo, mm-hmm. of course.
2: So, we'll yeah, it's tasty. We the end of the day to get him to take the pacifier. Do a oh, little right. Dip? Oh, there Sweet. You go. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, after trying all these options – and, actually, we, we found – Relief, little Mm -hmm. relief from Mylocon and um, some of the gripe waters Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And I went online to look um, what are other people showing. And a lot of people said Colicom And from my understanding, um, Colicom has charcoal in it. And it's funny because just prior to being – Having a child, my husband and I were traveling to Indonesia, and he got a parasite. And the first thing they did was give him charcoal. We were like, "What the heck is this black?" (laughs) Yeah, the rest
1: of the world knows about this. I know. We
2: don't. I know. And then a friend of mine who's a paramedic, he said, "Well, that's what we give to people who OD on drugs because it absorbs the drugs." So, tell me, how does the charcoal work in Colicom? What's it? What's that about?
1: It's true. Activated charcoal. It sounds a bit weird. I know, like barbecue barbecue? charcoal. No, (laughs) we're talking about pharmaceutical grade vegetable sourced charcoal, um, which hospitals doctors know about. It's Used in in the ER all the time for, again, for um, treating um, any kind of overload, toxic overload, um, because it absorbs so nicely. They used to use ipecac, but they didn't like the fact that it was bringing the poisons back up through the esophagus. Mm -hmm. So, therefore, they they resorted, they they do um, see great promise in activated charcoal more and more, even though it's such an old remedy. It dates back to Egyptian times for tummy troubles and gases and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. It basically attracts the gases and each um, molecule of carbon has like all these little tiny tunnels that um, trap they basically trap the gas bubbles, so it it attracts them like a magnet. It traps them. This is all gently and harmlessly. It's all passing so it right mess, through it the digestive the system. No, it doesn't. Abso- it doesn't get absorbed into the body in any way. It just passes through naturally and fully, and gently. And um, it attracts all of these gas bubbles that can hmm. be causing so much pain and toxins also. So it's, wow. it's just a wonderful natural remedy that Mother Nature has provided, and so, we definitely use it in our formula.
2: So tell us how does Call It Calm work? you use the charcoal? Anything That's true. else?
1: Yes, we have eight other um, homeopathic remedies. Each are time-proven, over hundreds of years, and all are very recognizable. Nothing scary. Um, aloe, blackthorn, caraway, chamomile, lemon balm, fennel, ginger, peppermint, and they're all in micro doses, so super small amounts. Each remedy that we use is on the FDA's gross list, Got which it. is generally... Recognized as safe, mm-hmm. and it all comes from um, the HPUS, the Homeopathic Pharmacopeia of the United States. So it's just the combination. These are age-old remedies. It's the combination that's so novel, safe, and effective.
3: And how quickly will you see results after mm-hmm. using something mm-hmm. like this? That's
1: the great thing. Everybody, we live in you know day and age of instant gratification. If something right. doesn't show pretty measurable results on the first dose, we're gonna chuck it, mm-hmm. right? Move on to the next. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's where we deliver. Of course, the younger the baby, usually the results are more obvious okay. because, you know, as babies old get older. How do you older, keep giving
2: it to them? Do well, it them really it
1: depends how often they need it. The other beauty of colic Calm is that it's only as needed and a little goes a long way and babies love the taste. I mean- Love it. So it's easy to administer. Nobody mm-hmm. wants to fight with their baby yeah, to take something. Oh. Um, so, yep, yeah, within minutes, because usually they love the taste. So they're surprised. They're pleasantly surprised. And mm-hmm, what's <laughs> this? And then they forget that they're no longer in pain. So right. they're all happy. Yeah, well, we know. can turn them on a dime. It's pretty amazing most of the time. Yes.
3: And you're probably wishing you had this when your son was little. Of
1: course, but I wouldn't have had a second child without uh, this product. And we did. We were on the same trajectory. It was a carbon copy. People said it couldn't happen twice. Oh, Really? We have so many. We have thousands of testimonials. And many of them are parents saying... You know what? We would not have had more children. So it can be so traumatic. Oh, i yeah. talked to moms that had it 30 years ago, and they're like, oh, like, oh I remember. What a <laughs> nightmare. <laughs> so, so it's really nice that these days there's a, a pretty amazing option. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Can you use these in conjunctions with the medicine? So if the doctor gives you Zantac, do you use Colocom with it or gripe mm-hmm. waters or Milocom?
1: You know, there really isn't a need. Unless the baby has a medical condition, this is pretty much a miracle in a bottle for good reason. That's what customers tell us all the time. I mean, you don't want to give them more than they need. Mm-hmm. And, the, and our philosophy is really step in and help baby when they need help the most, all in stimulating their own self-healing. That's another wonderful thing about um, homeopathy, the basic principle, is that you're helping baby to self-heal. Isn't that mm-hmm. wonderful? Instead of suppressing symptoms, you're encouraging their own body to figure it out on their own.
2: So, uh, but but probiotics and Calicom uh, could work well together, you know. Um, f-
1: oh, absolutely, perfect combination those two. But in terms of you know a reflux medication and Calicom, mm, pretty much. Uh, not yeah. needed.
2: Any last tips to tell parents out there um, to help them with their colicky babies, like infant massage? Definitely,
1: all of those wonderful things that create, you know, a relaxing environment are so soothing for baby and mom and dad. So you
2: think it helps them pass gas easier if they've just kind of relaxed. For and sure,
1: absolutely. Yeah. Who's you know who's going to be able to perform when they're tension? Yeah, <laughs> right. Know, it right? just it just makes sense. The more relaxed, the more comforting, up, up and upright loving. positions. They say that can help a lot. Definitely. Again, bouncing on the ball vertically very gently um, they say a 45 degree angle is very helpful for mm-hmm. babies because um, totally upright might cause more pressure on their tummy so it depends if they've just eaten and their t- tummies are full you know you you have to
2: work with the angle
1: again every baby's a little different yeah. so trial and error you've got to find yeah just yeah. the right things for I, your little one I
2: learned how to nurse my child with him sitting on my lap like oh. infant like up upright so then he controlled the flow and then also his tummy was up and like we saw a world of difference with his gas as well mm,
1: great but, yeah it's working you know trial and error working right. out those techniques and getting the help
2: you need Thanks to Jacqueline Lawrence for helping us learn about curing colic. If you want more information on colic.com, go to today's show on the episodes page of parentsavers.com or visit colic.com. And if you'd like to win a free bottle of colic.com, simply visit the contest page on the website or visit our Facebook fan page for details. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. Before we wrap up today's show, here is a question for one of our experts. Hi, this is Lisa from Australia again. Um, I have a question for Parent Savers
1: for the postpartum doula. So I've heard that in some European countries, the government actually provides every new mother with a postpartum doula. So I know that that's probably not possible here in the United States. Um, But a postpartum doula is at least covered by health insurance here. Thank you. Hi, Lisa. This is Rosemary Mason, and I'm the postpartum doula, and I'm really happy to answer your question. Um, Yes, there is insurance reimbursement for birth and postpartum doulas. Um, There is a form on the donor website that you can download, um, or we can send one to you um, to give to your clients. And on that, we give the diagnosis code and the CPT code, things that the insurance company
0: would need. And you would just personally then call or have your client call the insurance company, their insurance company, Give them these codes, tell them what it's for, it's for postpartum work or um, labor
1: support, and they will give you um, what the recommendation is or how many visits you get.
0: Not all insurance covers um, um, doula work at this time, but we are working on that. So the more people that call in and ask about doula work, then the more need that the insurance will see there's a need for that. So um, if you have any
1: other questions, just call the line and we'll get back to you on that. Thank you so much, bye-bye.
2: That wraps up today's episode. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions for our expert about today's show or the topics we discuss, call our Parent Savers hotline at 619-866-4775 or send us an email through our website, parentsavers.com, or our Facebook page, and we'll answer your question in an upcoming episode. Thanks for listening to Parent Savers, empowering new parents everywhere.
1: This has been a New Mommy Media production. and should not be used for diagnosing or treating healthcare problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified healthcare provider.
3: Hey, mamas.